welcome to On the Brighter Side. I'm your host, Monica Tanner, and today we are going to finish up part two of my interview with Dr. Matt Townsend. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we did part one of an interview with Dr. Matt Townsend, who is a extremely funny doctor of marriage who is explaining to us the difference between men and women in their brains. So last week we talked all about the differences and this week we're going to talk about how those differences were divinely created to help us become the very best version of ourselves and how to deal with those differences within a committed relationship. So help me welcome Matt Townsend and we're going to dive right into part two of our interview together. Another really crazy one is kind of how we organize. Women are more like a web, a spider web, I call it. And they remember everything past, present, future based on every need and everything's connected to each other. So if you pull on this, it moves this side. If you pull on this side, it moves this side. The man just is kind of like a, I call him, he's like a, a Home Depot. If I go to the Home Depot and I'm looking for a plunger, I'm going to go to the plumbing aisle and look for plungers, right? If I, if I need a light bulb, I go to the light bulb aisle. But one time, I went to a Robert's craft store looking for a marker. I was just looking for like a Sharpie's all I wanted, just a Sharpie. And I went in there and I could not find a Sharpie anywhere. And I looked everywhere. I found a lot of cool stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, really cool stuff there. And a lady came up to me, they were closing the store. No, and I called my wife. I'm like, I can't find a Sharpie. And she's like, have you asked anyone? And I'm like, what? Why would I ask somebody? Notice she immediately just wants this marker home so she can get bonding with her kids. And she's like, but I, I didn't want to lower my hierarchy and ask. So finally, a lady came up and she says, sir, can I help you? What are you looking for? And I said, I'm looking for a marker. And in my brain, I thought it was pretty self-explanatory. And she, this is what she said to me. She said, why? What, what, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm going to mark something. I'm going to mark it. It's a marker. So I'm just going to mark it. And she said, sir, what are you going to mark? And I started thinking she's getting nosy. Like, you don't need to know what I'm going to mark. Just tell me where the Sharpies are. And she's like, sir, I need to know know what you're going to mark because we have markers in five different parts of the store, depending on how you're going to use it. <laughs> and I need to know how you'll use it before I can tell you where it is. And right then I had this bolt of electricity that just shot into my left brain and it hurt so bad. Oh, it hurt. And I just said, is Robert here? Is Robert here? Cause I'll talk to Robert. This is his craft store. If not, I'll, you know, I'll go to Michael's. I'll go to Michael's. I bet that's a dude, but I couldn't believe that they would organize the markers in five different places in a store. But when you think of their main customer is the female and that's how their brain works. Their whole brain is integrated back to that corpus callosum. So they literally use their whole brain. It's brilliant, except men don't. So literally we use less of our brain when we talk to you and you know it because you're like, I don't think you're getting it like I'm getting it. But these differences, if once you start to understand your wife isn't trying to destroy you by making you be nicer, she just is trying to take care of her bonding needs. And and he tends to be very literal. If he if he's hungry, you know what he if he says, you know what, I'm hungry. Do you know what he means? Like literally, he wants to eat right now. Literally, <laughs> I'm hungry. I want to eat. And my wife will always say, you know what, let's eat. Yeah, let's do that. I've got two more stops. <laughs> 
and then we'll eat. But I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like hungry now. And she's like, no, it'll be good. We'll go to just two more places. One's Robert Cra Robert's Craft Store. How long would that take? Forever. And then let's go to Walmart for a bit. And then we'll go out to eat. And I'm just like, oh my heavens, you're killing me, lady. So the key is appreciate the differences. Understand the differences. Go deeper into the difference. Don't assume they're out to get us. And we could probably do a lot better to for the guys to be more caring, to be more appreciative, and the girls and, and more communicative, and the girls to be a lot more touchy, positive, appreciative, verbal, gen generally speaking. And again, you can always go to your differences. I love it. So do you think that our creator knew what he was doing when he created us differently I, in this way? And if so, what do you think we're supposed to get from all of it? I, you know what? Honestly, I, I have no doubt we were created with the differences and we were brought together at this time with the differences. I personally believe that your spouse relationship, actually all relationships, but probably your spouse primarily is your number one tool to improve spirituality. Nothing will get, help you grow spiritually more than having to love somebody and then lose yourself in, in their love and in, in their service. And so, and I honestly think, I think it's a paradox, right? Like I, I talk a lot about paradoxes. So a paradox are two ideas that seemingly contradict, but actually can go together. And I, you'll notice, I think in our world that our, our world is filled with paradox. We love our children with all of our heart and we want them to move out <laughs> really bad. And when they move out, we miss them and we want them to call. And then we're like, you never call. Why don't you ever call? And then they call and we're like, what? What do you want? You're always interrupting what? And we kind of never want what we have and we never want it when we have it. So when I work with people, I always see that the marrieds all lo would love to be single and the singles would love to be married. <laughs> and those with kids wish they didn't and those that don't wish they did. And everybody kind of wants what everybody has. And when I see our differences, I see that that is this paradoxical thing. And one of the things I've, the only, one of the only things I've ever found that helps us handle paradox is spirituality, right? So spirituality and a deeper understanding of what our purpose is about. So sometimes taking it to the higher power helps you start to recognize and manage the, the experiences of, of the lower realm. One of my favorite quotes says, all systems reflect their creator. And so this system, although paradoxical and confusing, when it's in spirit and it's aligned and you're in the spirit of it, it's right. And he's maintaining his hierarchy and, you, and you're helping him maintain hierarchy and you're, he's helping you maintain bonding. And we're all maximizing our strengths of, of uh, protecting each other, providing for each other, presiding and nurturing. We're getting all that done. We, we create this system that all of a sudden feels like it's at one. And I call that, and there's a spiritual term for it called at one -ment. And at one -ment, to me is the ultimate goal, I think of all of us spiritually is to be at one with our creator and, and spiritually as a couple to become at one. And I think you're never going to just become at one with two people that are just opposite. But if you can get these two people in the relationship and your God up here, then as a triad, you can become a pretty cool one. And as I get closer to my God and my wife gets closer to my God, we get closer together. And then as we both get closer to our beliefs and our God, and then eventually we become more at one. And so to me, the ultimate relationship goal should be being one and not just one financially, which I think is great and not just one socially and not just one physically, intimately, but one spiritually. I love it. What are some of your best tips for learning about how to navigate these differences within a committed marriage and not letting them come between you and wreck the relationship? Yeah. Number one, I mean, I have a ton that I've taught over the years, but probably 
there's there's four that I teach that are just principles, four principles. And then behind the principle, there's dozens and dozens of practices. But one is character. You will never have more relationship depth than you have the character to hold and handle. You cannot expect to get more out of your relationship than you have the character to handle. You can't have more deeper conversations than you have the character to hear. So if I tell my wife something and she reacts to it immediately, that's not her character reacting. That's her fight or flight reacting. Those are her fears reacting. So I, one of the things I work a lot with my clients on is we have to grow character. Notice where you tend to be reactive. Notice what your fears are and start to exercise character in that choice point. Every day, about a hundred times a day, you have a choice point where you get to decide how you're going to respond to any circumstance. And the more you exercise agency in the choice point, the more character you're exercising in it. So character tends to foster trust. If we have character between both of us, we don't react to each other. We slow down our conversations. We actually hear what the other's saying. So character changes the game. And it leads me to my second principle, which is communication. You can never communicate at a higher level than you have character. So communication is where I'm going to now take my character and the trust we've built. And now I'm going to understand what you mean by what you just said. When you say you're not happy with me, tell me what you mean by that. And I'm going to listen. I'm not going to fight her and say, well, I'm not happy with you and throw out my retort. I'm going to use my character to now communicate. And I'm going to try to understand what she's trying to say to me. And I'm going to listen to not just her content, her words, but I'm going to listen for her feelings. And below her feelings, I'm going to listen to where she's she's really hurting, her starved stuff, I call it. That's what my book was on, is her seven basic needs. Does she have safety? Does she have trust? Does she have appreciation? Does she have respect? Does she feel validated, encouraged, and dedication? So those are the seven basic needs. And I'm going to be listening to see if those are met. And then if it's my turn to respond to her, I'm going to try to lift the conversation first and tell her where I agree and, and where I appreciate her. And so if I notice, if I have the character to communicate and listen and understand her, and she has the character to understand me, then we can move to the next C, which is what I call companionship. And now that I know what she wants from me, which is a softer tone, I can start to use my character and my understanding to give her what she wants and to help her benefit from our relationship. And if it's a softer tone, I can do that. And if what I want more of is more positive things said about me than always negative things, she can do that. And then what happens is we start to be companions and cooperating in this love. It's a powerful thing that comes out of it because now she can serve me and love me my way and I can love her her way. And now that we have trust and more understanding because we're communicating and more mutual benefit because we're cooperating and companions, then the last principle is what I call change. And that's where I change. I need to start, every human being needs to know how to change what you obviously know you need to do. There's a great quote by Abraham Maslow that said that what, what you can do, you must do. So if I can be more patient, I must be more patient. Even if my wife isn't, what I can do, if I want to create a higher transcendent experience in my life, I must do what I can do. And that what I found with so many couples is if we would see our partner change based on our communication and our companionship and our character, if we had a conversation and I talked to you about something and I saw you trying to improve, I would be with you forever. But if I don't see you change after we've talked about it a hundred times, I start to become hopeless. So the principles again are character. Do you have the character to be a long-term partner? Do you have the communication to make it work? Do you have the companionship to create mutual benefit? So we're both benefiting. It's not just me benefiting 
benefiting and it's not you benefiting and you have to stay because we're married and you you have to stay. We're married in the church. You're stuck. No, it's that we're both benefiting and I see that we're changing and growing and improving and getting better and better. And that creates this upward spiral. And even if it's a spiral that's moving really slowly, if it's moving upward, we would be with each other forever. You know, there's that quote that says, if he who has a lever long enough can move the earth or can move the world. So if you have a lever long enough, you can change the world. And the irony of a marriage is if you have a runway long enough and you're willing to change and be committed long enough, you can change anything. I've seen, I've literally seen, I think everything you can imagine in the last 25 years, I've seen it in a relationship, everything. And I've seen, I've seen change. A third of the couples that come see me are on the verge of divorce. They're done. And we have about a 75 to 80% chance of turning those around over time if people would just exercise more character, communication, companionship, and change. So good. So good. Okay. So as we talked about in the beginning, I love how you can take difficult situations that arise in marriage and make them funny. What advice can you give us about finding humor and reasons to laugh in tense or trying times in our marriage? Yeah, that's huge. Well, obviously there's the chemical side of it. Another benefit of humor, actually, and I've studied, it's weird. I've actually studied humor, which is kind of funny. But one of the things that makes something funny is that it's unexpected. So what makes somebody laugh is when you're expecting me to say one thing and I say something completely opposite, that shocks us a little bit and it creates something funny. So it's interesting though, that actually works in marriages as well. Sometimes if you don't know what else to do in your marriage and you want to improve it, sometimes all you have to do is the opposite of what you normally do. And if you would just do the opposite of what you normally do and then watch what happens, you'll see something appear. And it's what what appears interestingly is a different system. Most of us get in this autopilot game with each other where none of us are thinking we're all just we're just doing the same thing. And so one of the benefits of humor is it forces us to kind of pay more attention. And once you've been once you've found out that somebody's funny, you'll notice one of the principles is that they're probably saying things you're not expecting. And that actually makes you pay more attention. So there's two principles for you if you want to learn how to improve a relationship. Be different. Mix it up once in a while. Not all the time, but mix it up once in a while and pay much more attention. And interestingly, the more you pay attention to something, the more you notice stuff. And interestingly, the more you are different, the more we pay attention to you. We tend to pay attention to people that are more, that surprise us once in a while. Mm -hmm. And we tend to pay less attention to people that don't surprise us anymore. So I like humor because it has these kind of basic principles. I also like it because it's chemical. And one other reason I love humor is because it helps us reframe situations. And once you reframe it in a different light, you actually can feel something different. We just went to a funeral the other day and I thought, because I had just seen this person at a wedding and we had had a great conversation and they were sick. They had cancer and had all these treatments, but they were in, they were feeling really good. And I thought, how powerful would it be if you were dying and you were, and you knew you were dying, but you were feeling good? How powerful would it be to actually throw a party then to just celebrate life and then to have, and my wife's kind of like, that's kind of morbid, but like, no, but I, I'd rather that you all come talk to me when I'm feeling really good and let me joke with you and reframe it a little bit and tell you I love you and let you know how I feel about you, but let's do it with maybe some fun and some humor and not morbidity, but real instead of just make it all happen when we die and then you all have to deal with it without my humor. So I thought maybe humor heals, right? Especially if we can get real throughout where, throughout the time we're having the humor, not just using the humor to avoid everything, but use it to then 
approach how much I love you, how much I care about you. Yeah. Powerful. Do your kids laugh at your jokes or do they roll their eyes at you? Well, I, they, no, they, we get them laughing pretty hard, but they still, they, I still pull out dad jokes every once in a while. And when I do that, they just roll their eyes. But there's some pretty <laughs> magical moments when you can get your teenage kids to laugh. That is the greatest time of the day, right? Is you're like, ah, it's working. It's working. And so I, I still try to do it. I can, I can usually get them all to laugh, but then my, what I'm finding, my kids are funnier than me. I have some kids that are hilarious and that's such, I love that when they're getting me to laugh. So it's funny. It's a, it's a trait we're all handing down and, and celebrating together. I can only imagine like a Townsend family reunion. Like, oh, just, it's crazy. I, I mean, do people like you guys all just have six packs? Cause yeah, just- well, no, we actually don't. We have a big keg. Just, we all have big kegs and <laughs> on our bellies, no six packs. But what's funny is when we all get together, it's, we just like to talk. You know what I mean? So, and I have sisters that are really funny too. And we can just all sit around and literally not need anything else, but just riff and play with each other and laugh with each other. It's awesome. Well, that's so fun. Cool. Okay. I'm going to turn around and get just a teeny serious for you. I ask all yeah. my guests that come on my show the same yeah. question. If you had the undivided attention of all the married couples in all the world, what is the most valuable advice you could give them about enjoying their marriage? Hmm. Oh, now I have, there's so many, but <laughs> well, I've alluded to one spiritually already, but I would, one bit of advice I would say is you somehow have to get your God more into your marriage because I don't know of any other way to, to make it more sacred, right? And I, I think that can be any belief system you have, but you have to believe your, let the let your God or your deity or whatever you believe in become a part of it and, and literally report to that first that God every day and I would suggest report together every day and the benefit of I think having God in the marriage is there is a really powerful way that you can talk to your spouse through your prayer to your God and say stuff that might be hard to say to them but you can say it to your God for them and to me that I think will will create a really basic core need of everybody to be loved this attachment problem they say right now 60% of millennials don't feel safely attached attached hmm. to anyone. And I think you're seeing, that's why they don't buy into institutions. That's why they don't marry as much or fast. That's why they don't even buy into their work and they don't commit as deep. And so I think if you could have something, and sometimes when we let our partner down, our God won't. And so if they can stay connected to God and my partner, I think that's one tool. Another just simple tool is every day, find three things that your partner did that was awesome and acknowledge them and thank them for these three things every day and change them up and I, I call it, I put it on a T-chart and I love you. I felt loved because and I wrote, I write down three things every day that made me feel loved. Three things that made my partner, she writes down what she felt loved and it communicates to each other how we felt loved. And I think by recognizing what's working every day, it turns you into a positive interpreter and you start positively seeing the marriage and the relationship. I love that. I love that. So turning to God and gratitude, both yeah. great things to do. What's one thing you want to ensure that your children know that their dad stands for? Uh, uh, that's a really good question. I would, well, you know what? The number one thing that I, st- I want them to know that I stand for is that they're loved unconditionally, that they belong to us. We're Townsends and Townsends are forever, that they're capable of learning and becoming anything they need to w- and want to work to become and that they are safe. They will always be safe. So that's a t- 
attached. I want them to know that I am 100% committed to making them safely attached in this world. They will always be safely connected to me and I'll carry them when I need to and I'll build them and get them walking on their own when they when they need to. But I want I would want every I would want every human on earth to know that. Love it. What are you working on right now that you are most excited about? Yeah, I'm I'm preparing a date night that's coming up in November and it, it's about what I'm calling deep deep life, deep love. And there's a book out there called Deep Work by a guy named Cal Newport. And he basically is he talks about the fact that since 1980 we have six times more information and data that we're processing today than we did back in the 80s. And what that's created for most of us is a really shallow, shallow life. And most of us are living in the shallows. And we're we're actually drowning in the shallows or in the thick of thin things. Mm. And so one of the things I'm working on for this date night, it's a two-hour event. And um, I'm going to talk about how to create deep a deeper life and a deeper love. How to maybe turn off the technology and create depth in our marriage, in our relationship. I'm going to have deeper questions we should be asking each other, deeper ways to interact, more eye to eye, more connection, and, and try to see if we can't kind of push deeper love so that we really are feeling like we have our unique, safe, attached person with us. It's my big to-do for the next three months. I am so there. All right. Where can my listeners find you and get more of your funny and entertaining marriage advice? You bet. So go to go just look me up on Instagram, Matt Townsend, and then go to, you can go to matttownsend.com. And on there, I mean, I have 358 minute segments I've done on a look on KSL television here in Utah locally. I have 1500 of my own radio show podcast hours. I've interviewed the biggest, the best from Gary Chapman to John Gottman, all the biggest, the best. I've interviewed all of them and that you can find all of those on my matttownsend.com website. And we're just, we're remodeling it right now. So if you get there and some of it's under construction, just keep going back. It'll have hours and hours of tools and content, downloadables, free webinars, you name it. And then on Instagram, I do these things called Matt's Minutes that are just two and a half minute blurbs of different topics pretty much every other day. Whoa, what? How am I not following you? Okay, well. Where have you been, Monica? We're going to disconnect. I'm going to get right on that. I promise. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. This is so enlightening. And thanks for having me. My cheeks hurt. I have more interviews to do. Oh, good luck with that, Monica. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, you guys, I hope you loved that as much as I did. I just enjoyed talking to Dr. Matt Townsend so much. And like I said, my cheeks were just aching. By the time we finished our interview, I had just laughed. My stomach was a little bit sore and my cheeks were just aching. And I just love the way he describes not only the differences between men and women, but all of the aspects of marriage that he talks about. He has such incredible content. Make sure you look him up on his website. There, It is just, I have spent a little time looking at it and it is just a wealth of knowledge on all aspects of improving your marriage. And so that is a great, great resource. I am going to try really hard to set up an evening with Matt Townsend here in Boise, Idaho for you locals. So stay tuned. I am talking with his team about that possibility in the near future. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you listen to both part one and part two of this episode. Both are so good. And in just 10 days is the beginning of the Epic Marriage Summit, October 8th through the 10th. You guys make sure that you get registered. This event is going to be absolutely epic. Not 
not only is it free, but it's also virtual. So you can watch from anywhere. If you're traveling in the car, you can take your cell phone and still listen into the summit. But you're going to want to make sure that you're registered so that we can send you an email with all of the login information so that you don't miss any of these great presentations. This lineup is absolutely amazing. I have been editing these interviews and getting them uploaded, and you guys are not going to believe the incredible content that is available during the Epic Marriage Summit. So make sure you register at www.onthebrightersideofmarriage.com. And next week, make sure you join us for Andrea Davis of Better Screen Time. I had an absolutely incredible interview with her, and she's got some great tips for us on how to manage screen time so that it doesn't interfere in our marriage relationship. So until next week, have courage, be kind, and stay on the brighter side. Thank you.